Welcome to Unpacking Ideas, the podcast where each episode I invite on a new guest to help me unpack some of the major themes and ideas in a piece of writing. Today we're looking at On Friendship by Marcus Tullius Cicero. Cicero was a Roman politician, statesman, lawyer, and philosopher who was kicking around during the first century BCE in Rome. I believe this uh, particular piece was written sometime around 44 BCE. And today helping me unpack this piece was my good friend Bernardo Lopez. We had a lot of fun breaking down Cicero's thoughts on what friendship is, what friendship is not, how to select a friend, how to leave a friendship, the problems with blind loyalty in friendship, and how the conception of a soulmate has changed throughout the ages. Uh, Like I said, this was a really fun conversation, lots of laughs, lots of insights. I really hope you enjoy it. So here it is, my conversation with Bernardo on friendship. All right, we're doing it. We're in business. Today's the day. Oh my gosh. So first, we were going to do this originally back in October, and then I was doing stuff, then you were doing stuff, and then tonight it was looking like it might not happen because of the internet gods were not cooperating but Mm. cross our fingers the universe uh, hates friendship (laughs) yeah that's it but our friendship uh i don't know prevailed (laughs) yeah i was gonna say transpired and then i almost said perspired (laughs) that our friendship perspired it did did that too Mm -hmm. cool man well so we're doing cicero's uh on friendship which is this, uh, it's kind of confusing. Like we were both kind of talking back and forth before about kind of getting our bearings on this because the piece is a letter that Cicero writes to his friend Atticus, but the piece is written as a dialogue about uh, this other guy named Laelis and who is speaking about his friend, Scipio. So I was a little confused at first, kind of what was going on, who was talking to to, to who, but how I kind of understood this, and let me know if you were understanding it the same way. I understood that, okay, Cicero is writing to his friend Atticus about uh, his friend Scavola once told him about his father-in-law, Laelis, and Laelis' best friend, Scipio. And then Cicero says to Atticus, hey, I'm going to tell you about this friendship between these two guys, but to kind of get rid of the confusion, I'm just going to write it as if I am Laelis. Is that? Yeah. Okay. The, the, last, <laughs> okay. Part, the last part is, is exactly how I thought of it. And then I and then I skipped all of the like deductive work beforehand mm. because it just made my brain kind of like crash. And I was yeah. just like, at the end of the day, like Cicero is kind of like Laelis, and that's that. Right. Yeah. It is kind of like um. It's kind of reminded me of like a uh, Plato's dialogues where mm-hmm. Plato, you know, he's writing kind of as Socrates. Right. And sometimes it's a little confusing to tell 
whether or not we're supposed to think whatever Socrates says is what Plato thinks, or if he's just kind of espousing somebody else's idea. So with this, it was similar where I was kind of left going, I kind of think whatever Laelis says in this is what Cicero thinks, but it could still be the case that he's just saying like, oh, this is what this guy Laelis said about friendship, but like secretly Cicero's like, I don't agree with any of it. But I think we're supposed to kind of think that Laelis acts as what Cicero also thinks. Yeah, I think so. And, and I see it as like the perfect crime too because like these, <laughs> yeah. the, these Greco-Roman people just like wrote in these dialogues so they could take credit for like the really brilliant stuff and then everything <laughs> yeah. else that was probably like offensive at the time. I was like, that's, that's, that was all Socrates. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't right. me. <laughs> it is a good out. Well, and I feel like that's like when I read fiction, sometimes it's hard to tell what the narrator actually thinks. Like, like reading somebody like Dostoevsky, he writes these characters who have very, very differing philosophies and viewpoints. And it's hard to kind of say like that character represents Dostoevsky. But then other writers, like I'm reading um, The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand right now. Mm-hmm. And it's very clear which one is her. Like, <laughs> there's this guy Rourke, and it's just like everything he says is just like in alignment with her philosophy. So it's pretty, it's pretty easy to say like whatever Rourke says maps on to what Ayn Rand thinks. But other authors, it's a lot more ambiguous. Totally. So I don't know. I guess with this, I guess for the sake of simplicity, we'll just kind of say. Uh, what Cicero will we'll kind of equate what Layla says and what Cicero thinks as being the same thing just for exactly. the conversation. Okay, sweet. Yeah, love it. Or we could refer to everyone as Socrates and just give him <laughs> or all Socrates, the yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I love it. I think that makes perfect sense. Cicero, you're taking credit for everything today. Cool. If you're cool. listening. Cool. So this dialogue starts off uh, if, yeah, he's listening from up in the heavens. Um, so the dialogue takes place at Scipio's funeral. So again, Laelis and Scipio were the great friends, and Laelis is at Scipio's funeral, and he is speaking about their friendship to a few other people whose names are not important. Um, so cool. So this is mainly about friendship obviously but they kind of start off talking about death at least at the beginning mm. um there was a uh, one of these quotes he said quote all is as well as possible with him meaning Scipio not so with me for as I entered life before him it would have been fairer for me to leave it also before him um I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting thought that he's kind of saying like he's almost kind of saying death is worse for the living, the people that are left behind, whereas, you know, the dead person is, is dead. And, you know, at least Cicero or Laelis here believed in an afterlife. Um, yeah, but I think even yeah. if you don't believe in an afterlife, I think that that uh perception kind of holds up still mm. you know that even if there's nothing in the beyond then 
it's still up to the people living to deal with the burden of loss. Yeah. Well, and he said, I think he says that too. He says, um, and he says, quote, if however, the truth rather is that the body and soul perish together and that no sensation remains, then though as then though there is nothing good in death, at least there is nothing bad. Remove sensation and a man is exactly as though he had never been born. Mm. So that's an interesting thought too of like, we can't really feel bad for this person who died because they're no longer a person. They no longer exist. It would be like feeling bad for, you know, someone who has not come into existence. But they wouldn't even be a someone at that point. It would just so. Yeah, it's a yeah it's an interesting thought. Yeah, I think it beautifully alludes to to the to to what's coming right later, which is just the deep connection that they had, and and in that moment, clearly, this just like trying to, you know, just trying to reckon with the fact that it's not whatever they had is just not there. And mm. he's the only person that is going to deal with it. And he's going to deal with it with his closest pals at this friendship hang at a funeral. Yeah, totally, totally. Mm. Yeah, and he's taken he's taken it pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so, yeah, so he's kind of talking about death and how, you know, Scipio is, you know, either up in the heavens or, or he's just, non non-existent so we shouldn't feel bad for him um but he's like i'm i'm having trouble here <laughs> and then he going goes on from there to then speak about his like friendship or love for scipio mm-hmm. and these two guys are kind of egging him on they're just like oh you know you speak so well about him like tell us more about what you think about friendship and he kind of says, like, all right, like, I'm no philosopher, but I'll, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's clear. Yeah. It's like everyone's dream, right? When you're, like, really passionate about something. Like, like no, no, no. I didn't have a flute. And then you just, like, pull it out of your sleeve, <laughs> yeah. right? It's yeah. It, it, it's totally like the uh, the anchor man where he's like, oh, I wasn't prepared. Exactly. And then he's just like, yeah. hmm, let me <laughs> recite this treatise that I've been. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it is exactly. a bit like that. He kind of does the humble, humble. Oh, I'm nobody to talk about this, but let me tell you about all of these things that I think. Right, and like after the first maybe few back and forths, there's no more back and forths. Besides, like <laughs> yeah. you read it, you read it, and it's like you see that like one of the other people is like, eh, and then like <laughs> Layla just continues talking. <laughs> Totally. Yeah, it starts as a dialogue and turns into a monologue. Exactly. Yeah, and it's, I guess, kind of different between the, like, the Socratic dialogues are much more dialogues. It's, you know, like, question, like, Socrates is asking the questions, and it's much more even in terms of how much each is, each person is saying, whereas, yeah, here it's, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, um, I would love to tell you about friendship. (laughs) yeah do you have three hours (laughs) exactly (laughs) uh pretty great all right so maybe we can talk a little bit about cicero cicero's definition of friendship um and kind of like what he says friendship is and what he says friendship isn't Mm. um so 
one of the things that stuck out to me is this quote. He said, friendship excels relationship in this, that whereas you may eliminate affection from relationship, you cannot do so from friendship without relationship, uh, excuse me, without it, relationship still exists in name, friendship does not. So he's basically saying there, the people need to feel affection for one another for you to call it a friendship. Mm. Uh, whereas a relationship, you can still have a relationship with somebody and not have affection for them. So like, you know, thousands of maybe millions of people out there are either married or have, uh, or, you know, like are in some kind of relationship where they don't feel affection for one another. But that would not be a friendship. For it to be a friendship, as soon as they stop, people don't feel affection for one another. By Cicero's definition, it's no longer friendship. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's that's how I understood it too. And I think it's a good first hurdle, mm. like a, a good first like step, right, towards like defining uh, friendship. And I'm interested to see all the quotes that stuck out to you because I also uh, there was a few that that stuck out to me, and I'll go as as yeah, uh, yeah. As we go along, but it's also funny. I'm I'm sorry if I keep <laughs> taking more of like a, a comedic critique on Cicero. But also, did you notice how he like starts with like, here's the first law. And then mm. it's like, okay, cool. I'm looking forward to these next laws. And then he was like, here's the first rule. And then it's like, what happened to the laws? And then he was like, here's the pillar number one of friendship. <laughs> right. And it's like, where are the rest of them? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, his uh, – it's like very – like systematic but it's, it's kind of all over the place yeah some of his um yeah rules and laws that there were definitely yeah. drinks at this funeral <laughs> yeah absolutely but but i i do agree i think i i'm seeing the way he he's setting the groundwork for like okay of relationships as a whole let's take that first like slice into mm. Like those who we feel affection for, which could be beyond friendship still, and those who we don't feel affection for, which are, you know, X, Y, and Z type of relationships, whether they're acquaintances, professional, blah, blah, blah. Right. Totally. Mm. Yeah. And like we did um, How to Win Friends and Influence People a couple podcasts back. And mm. I think the way that Dale Carnegie is using the word friends is not what Cicero would consider a friend. That's much more an acquaintance um you know, a colleague, somebody who you can, you know, there can be like mutual benefit for, which is another thing he kind of goes into with his definition is that for him, friendship is something more than just like somebody who can help you out and you can help them out. Like it's mm. not the, it's not ultimately about material gain and that though it will probably be the fact that you do gain things from each other. Um, it's it's about something deeper than that. Yeah, like almost every everybody else's definition of friendship, whether it's previous or after Cicero, Cicero sees everything else you get out of friendship is just like the byproduct mm. of this really... Um, let me try to find yeah. the, the place. So the, uh, he would also talk about like, the the moment you meet a good friend mm. um and like was very romantic about his explanation of that like and i mean romantic more in the in the essence not in the um 
like any kind of sexual nature, but like just very like poetic and and um, just very emotional mm. that rom- romance in that sense of like when you meet and basically without saying it, he was talking about chemistry as, as long as I yeah. uh, how I understood it. Yeah. And it was like when you meet someone like your eyes are going to lock and your heart is going to beat and you're just going to know you're going to be best friends forever, <laughs> you know, yeah. and like I really love that. Um, but it was interesting that he started there. And then to you kind of your last point, um, that you were saying is that he does acknowledge that although it starts with this, like what I'm going to, you know, what we would probably call today chemistry, mm-hmm. that, that true, like everything he goes into later of what makes that a really meaningful relationship is so, um, it's just like very deep and, and anything short of that is not friendship. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, and he even at one point says something about the souls, their souls being intertwined into like one. So it's very like, it's very close to, I think, how we today think of romantic love mm. that some of these ancients thought about friendship. And I read um, Michelle de Montaigne, the philosopher wrote a piece called On Friendship as well, which I mm. read, and it was even more romantic. And at, mm. you know, at points, he talked about meeting his friend and how it was this like love at first sight, and it was just this like merging of souls. And, you know, reading it in today's eyes, you know, I kind of questioned like, was, Mich- was Montaigne homosexual? And, mm. you know, I think it's possible. I've heard people say that might be a possibility, but it could also be the fact that that's just more of the attitude they had back then about friendship. And they saw kind of true friendship as being this like, uh, like a soulmate, the -hmm. way that we talk about soulmates. Um, And both Cicero and Montaigne were talking about how like, how rare true friendship is and that it only happens like once in a century or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, which is like, yeah, it's crazy to me because it's, it's definitely not how I, or I think a lot of people today think about friends like, Oh yeah, they're friends. Whereas back then, or at least according to these guys, like a true friendship is a kind of maybe what we would term like soulmate today. Yeah. Or even, that um potentially even just like what we what we see in movies as like this like perfect friendship that like you know lasts a lifetime mm. um maybe cicero doesn't necessarily talk about the the time variable too much but um yeah it's i like to think that the friendship like the friendship definition can be so close to these individuals that it doesn't matter, you know, if it was or wasn't romantic. Mm. Um, and I'm not saying that because like, I'm not trying to say I don't care either way. I mean, it'd be interesting to know for sure. Yeah. But to me, it's just like, I like the idea that friendship was just so highly regarded. Um, mm. And it makes sense. You know, you like look throughout history at how friendship has been def- defined by philosophers or even in you know literature and fiction and it's Mm. and it changes yeah um and i think 
you know, it's it's definitely a product of its time too. I know, you know, probably back then friendships were maybe really needed and to find a really good one was like I don't know, just either more valuable or because of the need it made it easier too, you know, like if if everybody mm. needs to pair off as friends, then people are going to be looking for friends. I feel like nowadays that's really different. Like you want friends, but it's not cool to go look for them. So it's just like if they happen, they happen. Yeah. Well, and it's bizarre too because it seems like it seems like back then and I know this is a, I'm kind of making a broad generalization, but for much of history, like your your husband or your wife was your was was it was a much more practical relationship. You know, it was much more like an acquaintance. It was like we are going to have this arranged marriage so that you can work as a team to raise your kids. And it, it wasn't necessarily this like soul connection that we think of today as romantic. Like I found my true love. Mm. Whereas back then friendship maybe was where this kind of like soul connection was happening or this soulmate thing. And now today it seems like friendship is a lot more, practical and about you know like the dale carnegie of like networking and you know making quote friends in order to sure. kind of advance your career so it, it's it's kind of odd that it seems like the roles have kind of swapped and now we've kind of placed our we think of our soulmate as being our spouse uh for the most part mm. and um you know our friends as maybe like our our colleagues at our firm or, or whatnot you're totally right and if we follow this pattern in like a hundred or five hundred years it's going to be our like dishwasher (laughs) yeah you know and then people will be reading about these like partners and soulmates like what that's so crazy (laughs) yeah Yeah. it is it is interesting how these these things change and i mean that's why i like love reading like really old texts like this they're like over two thousand years because it's just so different than the way we think about it now totally i mean i think in some ways though um the history does kind of show that there are complexities to it too because wasn't it aristotle who also mentioned the you know the utilitarian aspect of friendship so i Mm. i think there are those dimensions to it still so it's maybe just even cicero i think since cicero is just like like just like just a rom-com lover (laughs) <laughs> like just like loves the romantic element yeah. of like this, like, you know, and just kind of like idealist and like, and found somebody to share that mm. relationship and, and, uh, that vision with where it's just like, we are in love, right? Best friends forever. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And I think this, I don't, I'm definitely not like a scholar or historian, but I think this was one of the first pieces in philosophy to take this stance on friendship because I think, like you said, like Plato and Aristotle talked about friendship much more in the kind of practical utilitarian sense. Mm. Um, well, it may be going off since we're kind of already talking about the practical utilitarian sense. One thing he says about that is that um, if your friendship is based on that, the moment that you can no longer kind of provide for the other or they can no longer provide for you the friendship falls apart so you know if you've built this friendship on like 
I don't know, just like getting something from the other person and now they're in a position where they can no longer give it, like your friendships basically crumbled because that's, that's what it was built on. Totally. Yeah. And that goes like, I feel like the whole time he's hammering virtue at us, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So like virtue is the, the main, uh, you know, insert value yeah yeah insert metaphor here pillar glue whatever whatever um but yeah it's like the main thing that's gonna give it a kind of like a a lasting meaningfulness Mm. that's kind of how i I would i would maybe oversimplify it but yeah i think the everything that isn't virtuous and what did i so he actually says that what's subversive to friendship is flattery, adulation, uh, a base compliance. Like this, mm. this like I, I think those are just a few examples of not being virtuous. But exactly what you said too in that other quote, where it was just like, if your friendship is built on anything but this virtuous virtuous connection, mm. uh, then it's like doomed, and it's yeah. not a friendship under my eyes. Right. Right. Well, yeah. And, and, um, he's also saying like, that's why somebody like the rich have such a hard time making friends is because a lot of people just want to be their friends to, you know, for like what they can get from them from being their friends. It's not like they just truly want to, you know, share a connection with them. It's like, they're always trying to get something. Um, or or get something or the opposite right like somebody's trying to get something from them yeah yeah or yeah that's 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 what i meant yeah like the 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 friend is is using them to Mm. to get something um which yeah i think about that a lot with um like celebrities you hear Mm. about celebrities having a hard time making friends and a lot of times i this is just a theory of mine but i think that's probably why celebrities are a lot of times friends with one another is because they're in this like unique position where it's like, all right, you're also a celebrity and you know, we both don't really want or need anything from each other in that like material sense. So we can just, you know, be friends and like, we're also able to relate because we're both in this like weird existence. Uh, I think that's the key, right? Like who can you relate with? Who lives in a similar world? Like, I think a lot of us as friends talk about our surroundings, right? And how Mm. we navigate them constantly. And if, you know, you just start talking and you're a celebrity and you're just like talking about these things that someone who doesn't live that life won't understand. Like, you know, when we do sometimes overhear celebrities or there's like a, a phone call that was recorded and we hear them complaining about something that we're just like, you know, champagne problems about. Yeah. Um it's just like yeah, you would find somebody who who's in your you know category of understanding. Um, yeah. Sometimes that happens to line up with class, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, I don't I don't think it has to, but you have to find some and Cicero talks about the pa- he I think he calls it power like you mm. want to be kind of evenly keeled um so that one person isn't, you know, using the other person. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Is there anything on kind of like the definition that we didn't get into? 
Oh, here's here's one thing he was he literally said was the golden rule. So I have to mm. my previous point. He says one of them was the first law. That's something else I can read that later. <laughs> the other one was the golden rule, and then the other one was another good rule. <laughs> um, okay. But so we don't know the, what the hierarchy of these are, but yeah, they're all like, seemingly good good things to note. Yeah, <laughs> clearly like three whiskeys in or something. Yeah, <laughs> like here's point number A. Um, yeah. Okay, his golden rule about what your point was with like or uh, the analogy to celebrities, he says, mm. put yourself on a level with your friends. Mm. Um, and that, that's just like the little short quote I wrote, but it was he, he was going into it and it was all about this. You don't want to be in a place where you can't trust your friend's intentions. Uh, like you yeah. have to know that they're not using you and you have to be virtuous. Uh, I'm going to say aware, but he would say virtuous enough to, you know, filter the the power dynamic out, like not befriending people outside of your power dynamic, whether you want to look at it as up or down. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, in speaking on like the virtue point, he's he's big on virtue and he doesn't I, I'm not sure with Cicero what virtues he's speaking of i would guess he's talking about kind of like the four cardinal virtues which would be what justice courage prudence and temperance or, or something maybe i'm i think those are the four but he does say like above all else we should pursue virtue mm. and then our loyalty to our friend should come second and he says this i think that's actually like the last thing he says in the whole the whole piece um he says quote virtue without which friendship is impossible is first but next to it and to it alone the greatness of all things is friendship so this kind of comes into play when we have to choose between the two and he gives some instances where he says sometimes a friend will try to get their friend to do something that is not virtuous and they'll use friendship as the way to do it. So this would be like, this happens a lot with like elementary school kids. Like, oh, well, if you were really my friend, then you would, I don't know, steal that bag of potato chips for me. And Cicero says, no, we have to put virtue above that loyalty to the friendship. And if your friend asks you to do something that's not virtuous, you shouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he flips it, right. Which he always does. He has this pattern of like, this is what you should ask. And this is what you should return. Mm. Um, which I think is always a, a nice, like, Oh, you're so wise. Cicero. <laughs> Cicero. Um, right. So like saying, uh, you shouldn't ask your friend to do something that's not virtuous but likewise you shouldn't do something virtuous or unvirtuous if your friend asks it of you. Exactly. That kind of, okay. Yeah. yeah. And the burden of responsibility is on both parties mm. equally. Um, yeah. At least that's how I understood it. And I thought, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's great. It's like this, like, you know, it's like, it felt like a very dad moment where it's just like you come home and like something didn't feel right about that friendship. Like, you know, I was like, uh, I like was hanging out with Zach and he was like, if you were my friend, you'd do this podcast with me. And like, just like, I was like, <laughs> that doesn't feel right to me. And then my dad, Cicero would be like, 
well, well, here's the thing about virtue and loyalty. And like he, he would get into this little spiel. I felt, it felt mm. like a very, like the thing we all wanted to hear from some adult because we've <laughs> all been through that a million times. Right. And at times yeah. we've probably been the culprits of it too. Like maybe even subconsciously asking, you know, I mean, in some way manipulating people around us to like, mm just hang out with us even and like i don't know i remember just being in college and just pushing people to be like you should hang out with me like because i'm sad and you should come hang out with me mm. and then like they would they'd feel guilty and cicero would be very disappointed in me ah uh, yeah well it's i think too it's maybe one of those things where at least my understanding was because a true friendship you know, the two people's souls have intertwined and they've become one. So in theory, you should want what is best for the other person because they are in some sense you as well. Mm. So if you are doing something or asking them to do something that's not in their best self-interest, then you're kind of like not acting in accordance with that because yeah. it's, yeah. Totally. It's almost like a very religious uh, tenant almost. Mm. You know, this whole like we're we're sharing our soul. We are one. We are like your uh, – and he even says like your accomplishments are my accomplishments. Yeah. Um, it's really beautiful. I don't – I I definitely like in, in today's world and in my perspective, it's it's definitely something to continue to practice and strive for. Mm. Um. Cause you, I think it's not always that you don't, you're not happy for the people you're closest to, but we're all really selfish and we're like, why isn't the success happening to me? Right. Mm -hmm. That's obvious. It's written about in a million books, but, uh, it's a beautiful sentiment to strive for. And it's a great way. I think it's a, it's a tool, like a device to, to kind of quiet that voice. I don't know if it's effective or not, but I think if we do look at friendships, like we are one, your accomplishments are mine and mm -hmm. we practice that like almost in a religious way yeah i think it could be a way for us to to feel less um jealous right well because if it, instead of jealousy you would feel joy because it's mm. like your your uh your friend is has you know achieved something so uh, rather than feeling jealous of them you would feel happy for them um, yeah totally it's a it, i i i it's yeah, I guess I have trouble with it because it's just like really mushy to me, even though I love mm. mushy stuff. It's just kind of like, but yeah, I think it's a good, like if I were, if I were writing a kid's book, like that would, that would be in there. I wouldn't be like truly and empirically, if your friend succeeds, you will succeed too, because using, you know, our current economic blah, 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 like that will bring you success. Like, yeah, that's right. Maybe more utilitarian, but. Right. And he doesn't speak a whole lot about well he talks about utility but he sees that as being like a secondary gain and that like friendship has intrinsic value in itself mm. and that like whatever kind of instrumental value we can get is should should come secondary but maybe while we're on that topic i just wanted to read one quick thing this was from the montaigne's piece on friendship and uh Montaigne tells this story about this guy, Cassius Blosius. That's probably not how you pronounce it. Um, 
but I'm just going to read this real quick. Um, so he came to ask Cassius Blosius, uh, who was Grouchus' Grouchus's best friend, how much he would have been willing to do for him. He answered everything. What? Everything? pursued Laelus. And what if he had commanded you to set fire to our temples? He would never have commanded me to do that, replied Blosius. But what if he had, Laelus insisted. I would have obeyed, he replied. So I thought that was an interesting kind of contrast because this guy, Cassius Blosius, with his friend, seems to be putting his loyalty to his friendship above virtue, which is, you know, the opposite of Cicero, Cicero, I think, would have objected to that, of setting fires to the temple because your friend asked you to do it. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a very ride or die mentality. It's just like, yeah. like once you're in, it's like, it's, you know, like once you're in a friendship, you can't get out. Mm. Like we're best friends no matter what. And you're going to do whatever I need you to do. And I'll do whatever you need me to do. And like, let's go burn this shit down. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very, yeah. very ride or die. Um, I mean, I think people definitely nowadays um, hold loyalty I think throughout time, many people mm. have held that as the main principle of, of friendship over any other one where, you know, clearly Cicero is about virtue and, and virtue seems to have these kind of like um, mechanisms to, to avoid kind of the, the blind loyalty yeah. thing from taking over. Well, and like, like a, maybe a street gang would be a situation where at least to be a, a part of that. I guess, I don't know if we call it a friendship, but loyalty to the gang has to come above, you know, virtue in that respect, where it's like, hey, if I ask you to, like, get in on this fight or I ask, ask you to kill this person, like, you have to, like, we're, you know, we're blood brothers, like, we've bounded, we're bounded in this pact together, and, like, that has to be the number one thing. Yeah, um, I think that's a great uh, example um, I think there's so many that are way less extreme too. Like, yeah. Wouldn't you say that? And I don't mean that as a, as a critique to your example. I mean that just mm. in like, I feel like I need to be loyal sometimes when I know I should like, just like that social pressure to be loyal, I think exists in so many of my friendships and so mm. many of my, not even other relationships, right? Where, like sometimes you're just working at a place and you feel like you have to be loyal or there's a boss or a parent or family or this or that. And it's just like, if, if we don't have filtering systems like Cicero's virtue, you know, as, as an example of one mm. filtering system that like loyalty can take over. And then it's, it's a blind check. You know, if someone's just loyal and that's your main principle, it's just like, what can't you do? Like, what can't right. I make you do? <laughs> right. And because right. if you don't do it, then I get to hold over your head this, you know, defined friendship we have, which is mm. our only currency. Right. Totally. Well, yeah. Mm. And then your virtues or like your principles or your morals is kind of like the corrective mechanism that is just like, oh, wait a minute. This person that I'm loyal to is asking me to do something that goes against my my principles. Like, like yeah, I'm going to not do that yeah totally i think we've all been there right like mm. so many times even in 
even in in more romantic relationships too, where somebody's just like kind of it feels like someone's holding over our head something. Um, mm. You know, upon upon discussion with another party, we could see whether we're right or wrong. But it definitely can feel sometimes like, you know, someone's holding something over you, and and loyalty is the only currency in that moment. Loyalty mm. is the only accepted currency in that moment. So if you don't pay up, it's like you're not paying up at all. Hmm. Yeah, and even if it's just implicitly, like there's an implicit, like if you really loved me, you would do this. Exactly. Yes.、Mm. Yeah. Well, and I wonder too if, uh, like this is why he puts so much emphasis and importance on selecting the right friends, is because it seems like for Cicero. Like, once you've kind of selected your friends, you should have some loyalty to to them. But he says you shouldn't just like jump into any friendship. He kind of talks about it almost like dating. It's like with a new friend, you should kind of like, you know, try them on for for a few weeks and and see kind of what what their character is like, what kind of person they they really are before before you kind of commit to them and become、mm-hmm. loyal to them. And maybe the problem he sees is that, like, he says at one point, like we we take all this time selecting these things that aren't important, like sheep. I think is the example he uses. But then when it comes to friends, we're just like, oh yeah, everybody can be my friend. So maybe that's some of it too. Is that he's maybe saying we shouldn't be loyal to just anybody, but、mm. once we've kind of selected and vetted people who are deserving of our loyalty, we should. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I totally, I totally understand that、uh, too. That that's a great, great thing to bring up、um, from this for sure. Yeah, and it is really cute. Like it is a total dating scenario how he puts it out. <laughs>、yeah. You know, it's just kind of like, like just go out and like again. This is like Cicero, Cicero the parent hat coming on. And just being like, yeah, is I know it's your first date, like just, just feel it out, or like your first sleepover, like just go. I know you're nervous, feel it out, go three more times, and then pledge your loyalty. You know, <laughs> yeah. Could I read this、uh, this quote that captures that? Please. He says,、um, let's see. He says, "quote We make a preliminary trial of horses." So we should of friendship, and should test our friends. <laughs> we should test our friends' characters by a kind of tentative friendship. So I guess the metaphor there is to to treat your friend like a a horse that you're kind of taking around the block to to see how they how they are. Well, I just I get it. Like Zach, it makes sense. Think how careful we are when we pick our horses. Yeah. <laughs> like, clearly, we need to be that careful with friends. Honestly, it's a lesson that. Should continue to be told today. Yeah, yeah. Like well, and he talks about too that you're kind of the things that you're kind of vetting them for them for when you're in this like、uh, trial period is to see basically if they're virtuous, like if they're loyal,、uh, dependable, trustworthy, those types of things. And he says that those are kind of the what the friendship is built on. Um, and I was just thinking. I know for me, I don't know that I'm that、uh, 
rational when I'm choosing my friends. I think a lot of my friends, um, like <laughs> I know w- with you and me, I think the thing I was most drawn to you about was like, I thought you were like freaking hilarious and like super fun to be around. Cause we, um, you know, we did this, uh, jazz trip, uh, you know, where we're playing jazz uh, trip with this <laughs> jazz trip. <laughs> we were playing with this jazz band in Italy and I remember coming back and being like, Oh, Bernardo is awesome. Like that dude is like one of the funniest guys I've ever met. And like, just like super fun to be around. And I actually called you and I was like, Hey, cause I knew you went to the college I was going to and was like, Hey, do you want to be my roommate? Mm. And, but I don't think I was thinking about like, Oh, is, is Bernardo a loyal guy? Is he a stand up guy? Mm-hmm. At least at that point I was just like super fun. Hang like we're always laughing. We're always making each other laugh when we're together. But I think the kind of, vetting those maybe more uh virtuous aspects of your character didn't come until later you know oh yeah (laughs) for sure or on some even on some of those maybe uh long bus rides we were on in italy (laughs) where we were like (laughs) getting very little sleep maybe you got to see some of those potentially bad characters (laughs) would have been would have been weird if i was like kind of like shit testing you to see how if you were a loyal person like <laughs> what would have been Italy? your what would have been, I'd have been like I'd be like hey bernardo you seem like a pretty cool guy like i don't know if uh you had to choose between um i don't i don't even know see i think I it would have this is this is what i did you just didn't see it behind the scenes <laughs> at whenever whenever you were asleep i'd grab my horse saddle that i brought with me <laughs> And I would see if it fit you first. And then oh, I would wow. brush I would brush the back of your mane. And then I would see how much hair would fall out. And I was like, I'm going to vet this horse real good here. And then I was like, this dude's for real. And then we were best friends forever. And now I pledge my loyalty to you. Wow. You, yeah. took, the, you took the horse metaphor very literally. And it, I mean, it worked. yeah, it's doctrine now. Here we go. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting though. I I love going back and thinking about all these friendships that that we've made and and like even yours and I we should talk about your and mm. your and my relationship. Um Yeah. Because it's it's been one that you know since 2006, 6. Yeah. Yeah. Um you know, which is a long time, especially yeah. if you're listening to this really far in the future. Um <laughs> but the for me, it was the same thing, but I think it was also because it was a product of our youth, you mm. know, like we, in the same way that even romantic relationships, like some of my first romantic relationships, I, I didn't know what I was supposed to look for. Uh, it was yeah. just kind of like, I'm attracted to you and you're not being mean to me. So I guess we should do it. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, really. And like in the friendship way, it was the same thing. It was like, I want you know, somebody that I can like laugh with and somebody that, mm. um, gets, gets the jokes, you know, you know what I mean? Like, cause it's also like, there's plenty of people who like humor, but don't get the jokes, whatever, whatever the is for everyone is different. But, uh, yeah, yeah. you and I just seem to be kind of on the same level and in some really selfish way, I could like kind of 
platform myself and just like do a quick little stand up routine and you would just listen to the whole thing <laughs> and nobody else would. Everybody was like, Who is this kid? He's so annoying. Like yeah. we don't even want him in Italy. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, when you were talking about like when you're younger, the things that you're looking for both in a friend and a partner are very different than the things that you look for when as you age. I think that's totally true. Mm. And it's actually one of the things Cicero says is we can't really choose a friend in our youth because we haven't f- finished kind of like becoming the people that we ultimately are. Like basically he's saying like people change so much by between, you know, adolescence and young adulthood that, you know, Cicero is saying like a lot of the friends that we make in adolescence don't remain friends because, you know, we we get in we get to college and we realize like, oh, the only reason I was friends with that person is because we uh both like the color blue or like we grew up on the same street. Yeah. Whereas I think the friends you make, you know, further along into adulthood are, you know, a lot more, they tend to be a lot more people that you share the same values with or the same passions and aspirations Mm. with. Absolutely. I I 100% agree with that for sure. Yeah, it's also, I feel like part of being an adult is just like kind of, you know, you're the sole person responsible for everything that gets dumped on just Mm. you right like responsibility um so it's like when we look for friends we first we have all of the history of like just friendship knowledge that we've lived through so we can say like these are the things i like but also we're living lives with way more responsibility and we need people who understand that like like we were talking about before with like tears of of people in your understanding tier Mm. um but also like we just like don't want to put up with like any more friend bullshit, you know, like yeah. when we're older, we just don't like before we could have hung out and like, I would have been cool or you would have been cool if I just like decided to be like a fucking 19 year old and just like smoke a cigarette indoors. And like, you would have mm. been like, you know, whatever, like may- maybe I don't like it, but like, whatever. <laughs> Yeah. But like now it's just like, I don't have time for that. Like, I don't have time to worry about oh, this. Man. I don't have time to like try to talk you into anything. So like, you're not, you're not the horse for me right now. <laughs> it, you oh know? man, it's so true. And I think that applies to romantic relationships as Absolutely. well. You know, you, you look at like a 18 year old, 19 year old, 20 year olds and they're like, oh, you know, like. You know, they make a lot more exceptions for the people that they're willing to date. Oh, maybe this could work. You know, mm-hmm. you get into 30, 40, 50, you know, first day, it's just like, oh, deal breaker. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> like a lot more quick to like both know what you want and mm-hmm. uh, you. Yeah. You, yeah. Like you said, you kind of put up with less, less bullshit. Um, yeah. I know that's definitely the case with me, you know, both with friends and romantic relationships like i as i've gotten older it's just i'm a lot more okay just being like nope like that's not gonna yeah work. like this it's really even when people are nice and sweet and you just like know that like oh it's just not gonna like mm. it, it's this is gonna be really weird to say out loud because we usually use it for relationships but like saying it even though we won't say that we'll express it but saying like 
I'm sorry, I don't think this friendship is going to work out. You know, mm. because we've already done the math and we're filtering. Of course, we could be wrong and everything, but we, within our experience, we've done the math and been like, this person's really eager to be my friend. They're very nice, but there's clearly like a huge, maybe even power mm. dynamic or age difference where they're seeing me more as like this blank figure, but they're trying to be my friends. And it's just like, how do I let this, you know, overzealous, eager, yeah. young, even even if it's a younger version of myself sometimes that I'm just like, hey, this is really sweet. If If you want help on something, I can help on something, but... I just don't think we should be friends right now. Again, I would never yeah. say it. We have to find yeah. other ways of saying that because it's like taboo to talk about friendship like that. But Totally. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld has a bit where he says after 30, he's like, my 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 roster's full. He's like, my whole team's full. My my friendship roster's full. It's like, sorry, like there's no room on the roster. Like anybody that wants to be his friend. <laughs> totally. So you, could, you could just say that, like my roster's full. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, well, on that kind of note too, Cicero talks a little bit about ending a friendship. Oh, and, I was just thinking of that. Go, oh, go, nice. go. Well, he says sometimes it's unavoidable. Um, and I don't know. I felt like he copped out a little bit here because his best advice for ending a friendship is to just like be more selective when you're picking a friend so that it never gets to that point um but i guess the one thing he does say or one of the things he does say is that um when you end a friendship you don't want it to be uh like you don't want to do it violently um so he says Next, we should take care that friendship is not converted into active hostility from which flow personal quarrels, abusive language, and angry recriminations. Um, And then he says, Our first object then should be to prevent a breach. Our second, to secure that, if it does occur, our friendship should seem to have died a natural rather than a violent death. So kind of letting the friendship fade out rather than having a big uh, blowout, which would, you know, have resentments and all this other hostility. Yeah, I'll add to that. I don't know if it's it's in the same section, but he also says, at least in this translation, he says, um, uh, like, you want it to unstitch instead of, what is it, tear apart? Torn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. when friendships die, it's better to have them unstitched than it is for them to be torn. And I think that mm. kind of goes with exactly what you're saying, which is just like, uh, well, if it ends, right? Because you're saying at all costs, Cicero is just like, if your friendship's ending, like that wasn't a real friend and you didn't you didn't vet them and their, you know, resume yeah. properly. But if it does end, it should be gently unstitched instead of torn. Mm. Totally. Yeah, totally. And I wanted to maybe push back on this point a little bit about like, yeah, if it if it had to end, then it, you know, you didn't vet them properly. Because I also my thought is that certain people can come together at certain points in their life uh, and then come apart as well. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, for whatever reason, these two people linked up and were good for each other and, you know, shared a connection here. And then that just, you know, was no longer benefiting 
both of them or, you know, it faded for whatever reason. And I think that's mm-hmm. perfectly fine. Um, I don't know. Uh, oh, I can, I can tell Zach, I can tell you're fine <laughs> with that. I can tell from the year 2017 till now I could tell. No, I'm just joking. Yeah. I'm totally joking. I, 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 this is a time for me to do a big shout out to mm. one of the greatest uh, personal philosophers in my life, which is my mom. Mm. Um, so maybe she got it from somewhere else. So I'm not claiming that she's the sole creator of this. But she told me once that friendship is circumstantial. Mm. And I hated thinking about that. Because I think I used to hold this very romantic, almost Cicero-like um, outlook um, an oversimplified Cicero outlook of mm-hmm. you know romantic friendship that like once you find your fox and you're the hound like it's like ride or die and like you'll be in each <laughs> other's life forever and like yeah you know like you this is it until one of you gets hunted like this is yeah it's just like that that was the way I saw friendship you know I'd come to my mom and, you know, in tears sometimes of like losing friends for whatever reason in all stages of my life, I come to tears with my mom. Um, and, you know, she would just tell me this and we'd talk about it. She wouldn't just like drop the mic and leave the room, <laughs> yeah. but she'd say, you know, and of course explain it that like friends are circumstantial and there was, she would explain that there was as much good as there is bad or is there, there's as much, as much hope as there is loss in that, mm. in that phrase. So to to what you were saying, Zach, I, I would agree with that. I think it's okay that circumstances change and that friendships drift. Um, there's always a possibility that they can drift back. Um, I, it doesn't have to be a good or bad thing always. Um, it's really sad to think about if you're a romantic and, and you are, you know, have this concept that you created of like what it is to be in a friendship, which is, you know, potentially mm. unhealthy, but it is something I struggle with and I have to constantly think about. So it, I think it's great advice. I have to practice it. I wish I was better at it, but um, yeah, well, there's my mom's wisdom. This, totally. I love that. And the circumstance could just be that you two shared a hobby that you no longer share. Mm. Um, and I know there's situations like that where it's like, you know, you guys were you like you were super close friends with somebody because you're both on the soccer team, and now you're not on the soccer team. It's like <laughs> there's no lo- there's no longer this thing that to to stay in touch with this person. You know, it's like the whole friendship was based around like you being a team member of the soccer team. And, oh my gosh! And we yeah. all had those, right? Like, I mean, that's that was one of the hardest things just from going from high school to college or college to real life, like these next chapters in our lives, right? Where we were so tight and so close around the same people for like four plus years straight. Mm. And then all of a sudden it's like, at least in our life, it's like everybody either moved to New York or back home. Yeah. And then it was like, Oh my gosh, these people who I considered even my best friends, like someone I lived with for years is like all of a sudden drastically out of my life. Hmm. Uh, and it's out of all of our controls in, in a way, you know, all of our control. Totally. And mm. Cicero talks a little bit about that, like about that being one of the reasons that friendship ends. He also says um, one of the reasons they end is like uh, like political disagreements, which apparently I found this was kind of interesting that he lost a close friend 
through that. Like, I, I guess he was close friends, not Atticus, but another person. I can't remember the name. Um, I know who you're talking that, about. Yeah, that it, it was like they they had a falling out because of uh, you know differing ideologies, mm. which can kind of go back to when we're talking about like you know when you're a kid or an adolescent. A lot of times those your ideologies haven't fully formed and once you get into adulthood it's like oh okay well we definitely don't see eye to eye on you know these fundamental issues yeah and issues that we just you know whether um, um, without judgment we hold them to such high value Mm. to to such a high value that when we have that initial chemistry with somebody and it's like oh my gosh you'd be an amazing friend or an amazing partner we're still willing to be like nope Sorry, mm. you don't yeah. like this is a, this is a, yeah, like that. Your, Deal your breaker. view on yeah. this is, is just like absolutely not in line with me. Therefore we can't be blank. Mm. And as yeah. kids, it's like, we don't, we don't care. Like maybe we'll make a fuss about like not having brand Capri Sun and like you're drinking <laughs> off brand juice box. And like, that's as much like ideology as we get into these kids <laughs> yeah, right you know yeah most kids aren't like debating these uh super heavy controversial issues yeah totally um do you have friends yeah. though as an adult that mm-hmm. you whether it's on purpose or not like you can think about it do you gloss over a lot of topics ideologies methodologies that are controversial um, again, I don't really care as much of on purpose or not, because I, mm. I think both can exist. But do you have those where you like maintain a good friendship based on other things? And even if it's based on uh, something that may seem surface level, but it's enough to keep a spark and it's not necessarily necessary to like check in and see if we're lining up in every way. Totally. Um, well, and I think this is where you know, like I said, somebody like Cicero would say, usually you want to line up with friends that share your values, but at the same time, you don't want to surround yourself with like, yes, men, Mm. or just like people that are just going to, and you mentioned this earlier, people that are just going to like agree with whatever you say, Mm -hmm. uh, because he sees that flattery as being like super toxic both to the flatterer and the flattery. I don't know if that's a word, but the person being flattered. So if you just surround yourself and you're living in this little filter bubble of everybody that thinks like you, believes all the things that you do, um, that there's definite problems with that. And he, he sees, he says at another point, that's one of the jobs of a friend is to basically challenge you or to, uh, to like call you on your shit for lack of a better word. And maybe I'll uh, bring up that quote as well. But um, so I don't know. I know for me, that's, that's something I think about a lot and like, okay, am I surrounding myself with just a bunch of people that think the same things and share the same ideologies as me? Like, because I don't really want to do that. Um, so mm. I, I actively seek out people maybe not as like close soulmate friends, but I actively seek out people and hang out with people and communicate with people who like 
think and share very different ideologies and values from my own. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, yeah and I'm, I'm wondering if mm. Cicero would, uh, it, fitting into Cicero's equation, if any of those would be considered friendships or uh. if those would be more, you know, utility acquaintances. And then back to my question, if like these these more uh, Cicero-like friendships, are they, does it matter at the end, like after X amount of time or X amount of like, or maybe once you vetted them, mm. um, does it really matter that you may disagree or does it really matter that you may agree on everything? As long as, of course, you're not, you know, you're not, you don't have a yes man at your side always or vice versa. Like you're the yes man to them. Yeah. Um, there's no power dynamics. Like all these little things are already checked off. And then if all those things are checked off, virtuous, uh, loyalty, like everything Cicero spells out, do we need to, do we need to have, like, can a friendship exist without having the depth of, of our values being brought up every time or, mm. or all these things? It's just a question I have. Cause I feel like I have friendships that feel very close to me, but like we haven't talked about politics in years. Mm. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, it's probably a person to person thing. Like I, I don't know that I would want a friend that shared all of my same thoughts and beliefs on things like that would be kind of boring. Mm. <laughs> um, but there's probably like core values that we have to share. Like a core value of mine is like um, honesty or a core value of mine would be like, um, like seeking growth and seeking truth. Mm. Um, whereas if that, I could see if, you know, if from I'm crystals, dealing with, though. <laughs> yeah, from crystals. Yeah. Seeking yeah. truth from crystals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if somebody wasn't into that, then, then that, that would kind of dissolve the rest of the relationship. Mm. Um, but yeah, 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 that, yeah. And those are like, uh, you know, trying to, trying to plug them in, in a, or at least connected with Cicero, I guess those are like our own, those would be our own, you know, uh, like vetting measures or prerequisites or, or virtues, mm. right? Like yeah. virtue itself as a definition has like changed so much throughout each century. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that totally makes sense. And it's good to, I love your 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 first two. I forget what the third one was because um, I got lost in the first two. But honesty mm. and and a what did you say? Like search for truth. Yeah, search for truth or growth. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna one more thing while we we're talking about the yes the yes man mm. that he said that I thought was super fascinating. So this is actually a quote from Cato. Cato the Elder, another philosopher a little uh, around uh, Cicero's time. Uh, so Cato says, there are people who we owe more to, or excuse me, there are people who owe more to bitter enemies than to apparently pleasant friends. The former often speak the truth, the latter never. So I got the sense what Cato's saying here is like, your enemies will let you know when mm. you mess up or they'll let you know when you're, you know, not good 
Whereas your friends, to kind of appease you, they might be, oh, that was really good job, really good job. And like, I don't know, you just bombed a open mic or something. I don't know. But I, I, I think that's a powerful idea that we owe, you know, what does he say? Uh, there, there are people who owe more to bitter enemies than apparently pleasant friends. The former often speak the truth, the latter never. Um, I, I thought about like maybe one of the curses of being a really nice person mm. or a really attractive person is a lot of times people are not willing to let you know that you are not good at something. Mm. Um, and yeah, which can be a, you know, a curse in its own way. You're not kind of getting that feedback from the world. Yeah. Okay, I want to I would love to to talk about this more. Yeah. So it seems uh, some some questions. It mm-hmm. seems like if your enemies, you know, so the way he's putting out is like your enemies just like have no filter. They have no reason to have a filter, so they're going to yeah. let you know honestly. I right. want to I would disagree with the word maybe honestly because that mm. wouldn't you say that your enemies in this Machiavellian um you know, world that Cicero or Cato's uh, putting us in. Um, like, wouldn't you say that our enemies have a motivation to see us, to, to degrade us, to to see us fail a little bit? So I would even say that maybe they would see things honestly, but what they would tell us as, a, as an enemy in this sense mm. might actually be dishonest and might be over-exaggerated or oversimplified or, you know, some... Or said just to harm us. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, though, that that still matches with the other side of it. Like, I wouldn't edit the other side of it. Because I do think, you know, in when friendships aren't built um, always on on really great things. And if you are a really nice person, sometimes the people who would call themselves your friends uh, are just like yes people around you or do just say – um, what you want to hear, maybe you're mm-hmm. nice, maybe you're attractive, maybe it's something like that, or you're powerful. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And they have a motivation to do that too. So it's like, maybe it's more about the 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 motivation or intent behind, you know, your the definition of your relationship. So like if you're mm-hmm. talking about it to an enemy, it's knowing that what they're going to say isn't going to be honest. And if you're talking to a yes person or a yes friend, that their response is also going to not be honest. Mm. But I get the the the, the um, sentiment. Exactly. Yeah, the, and it's yeah. so it's so nice to say it that way like like let me drop some truth on you kind of moment, right? Like your enemies <sighs> right. are going to be way more honest with you than your um than your friends are. And I get the sentiment and I can appreciate it. No, that's I mean that's a great point that you brought up is that your enemies though your friends will have incentive to uh dress up the truth your enemies will have incentive to tear you down Mm. so yeah and i think what cicero is saying is the ideal would be a friend who is going has your best interest in mind and is going to tell you what you need to hear um you know maybe in an honest but delicate way yeah like Uh, a practice almost right like mm mm-hmm Part of being a friendship is this 
practice, like something that won't come naturally to you. Because at times we do just want to be really nice to our friends. We see that they're hurt, right? Mm. Like we see our friends are like, or really wanting to hear an answer. Like you just came off stage and you're like, how did I do? It's like mm. the worst question to ask someone. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, because you can see it, you could hear it in their voice, what they want to hear. Like, what did you think? How did I do? Mm, mm. Am I good? You know? And it's just like, <laughs> like yeah. as a, he's telling us now, Cicero's telling us that like, as a friend, we have to practice being honest even if if those opportunities arise where we could tell a friend what they want to hear, mm. we have to practice this this level of virtue of just being like, I'd, you know, probably we could be like, I'd love to talk more about it with you. Maybe after the show, let's grab a drink <laughs> now and pretend like you did okay. Yeah, um, yeah. I was the only totally. one clapping. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Because it's, yeah, it gets into like the constructive criticism thing. And like, right. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Um, there's this there's this uh, phrase I say in one of my relationships with someone I'm really close to, and it's just like, do you need someone that's going to listen or do you need somebody who, who gives you ideas back? And mm. I've always like really liked that um, of just like, sometimes we do need to vent, right? But with friends, this is, you know, we could take it another step with other friends and be like, this would be really awful. But we could be like, do you want me to tell you what you want to hear? Or do you want me to tell you what I really think? Or do you want me to just listen? Or, mm. you know. Right. Or even just, do you want my feedback? Or do you want me to just listen? Yeah. I don't know. There's probably. <laughs> brush your mane. A less. Uh, yeah. There's probably a delicate way of saying that. But I, I get, that's a great sentiment of like, mm. that person's need in that moment might not be to get feedback. It exactly. might be like, like you said, I just got off stage. The time for constructive criticism, you know, is right. That person's way too emotional, adrenaline rush. And like, but it's like what everybody yeah. asks off the stage. I know this isn't what we're yeah. talking about, but isn't it so true? Like everybody off the stage is just like, including myself. It's like, what'd you think? And it's just mm. like, why would I put people in that position? Mm. You know, totally. it's, it's an awful position because I'm not ready for constructive criticism. And when the times when it does come, I, you know, I react and I'm like, what? what? Where'd that come from? <laughs> mm, totally. It's actually something um, my drum teacher, Art Gore in mm. college, he told me, he said, always wait a week after a performance before listening to yourself. Totally. Um, and I think he was getting to the same thing. Like you're just less less emotional you're less attached to it it's like mm. oh that was that was me last week <laughs> you, know? <Yeah. laughs> you know if it really sucks you're like oh yeah but i've been practicing all week so i don't totally. sound like that anymore but you're just <laughs> yeah. you're just less attached to it and i think i i i try to use that same i guess that same thing could be applied to giving somebody criticism is to you know do it a week later when they're less uh, emotionally attached to it totally oh my goodness yes mm. yeah just being like maybe the phrase being something like like yeah let's talk about it later like just yeah. always throwing that out when somebody's like it's like i'd love to hear what you thought like or you just come off stage and it's like how'd i do it's like man let's grab a drink like just relax right now let's talk about it yeah. later 
Yeah, you know? totally. And then, like That's... once you sit him down, then you can be like, I think we should stop being friends. <laughs> Your performance was atrocious. You're not a good horse. You're not a good <laughs> horse. Or a piece of furniture. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. Any of the above. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) There was one section that we uh, skipped over a little bit in the, when we were talking about um, like some of the perks of being, of having friends. Mm. Um, Or actually, I don't think we've talked about this yet. So yeah. So some of, I don't think there are any. Yeah, what are the perks of <laughs> having friends? Well, so one of the things that he talks about is he says like your friends celebrate your triumphs and accomplishments with you and they also make the um you know, your trials and tribulations and your like uh your bad times better. So mm-hmm. I got the sense that he's like, they make the they make the good even better, and they make the bad not so bad. And just to read this quote, uh, so we can hear it from Cicero rather than my paraphrasing, he says, "Is not prosperity robbed of half its value if you have no one to share your joy?" Um, and I loved this because he's saying, I think what he's saying there is like half of like whenever you share that moment with another person it just magnifies it and i know tony robbins says something similar he's like what's the first thing that you do after you receive really good news you text your friend or or what's the first thing you do after something really crazy or funny happens to you 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 call or you text your friends you want to like share that moment with somebody else because it just magnifies it um and I think the same is true when it comes to the opposite, which is like when something bad happens to us. He says, quote, on the other hand, misfortunes would be hard to bear if there were not someone to feel them even more acutely than yourself. So it's that same thing. You know, what's the, you know, one of the first things we do when, you know, tragedy befalls us is we reach out to a friend and, um, you know, they're able to kind of help carry that burden at least until we can manage it on our own. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, it is an absolutely beautiful sentiment. It's such a great parachute for, for the emotional roller coaster, right? I'm just going to mix, mix all the metaphors here. (laughs) It's Yeah. yeah. It's like this parachute on the boat that we call six flags. Um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's, it's true. I think to some degree too, right? I know that's saying something as true as, is is loaded, but, and it's going to be different for everyone, but yeah, I, I know you and I have been there for each other through really hard times and it's made Mm. the hard times so much more bearable, even if we don't realize it at the time. You know, and Mm. and there's no way, like, there's no counterfactual argument we could make if we weren't there for each other. Like, we actually don't know how important we were beyond Mm. just, like, what we can hypothesize after the fact. But I I really do, 
I really do think that's that's so true. And then, yeah, I, I agree with you and with Tony Robbins that the first thing I do when I get good news is I text Tony Robbins, you know, <laughs> and, let him, and let him know. Sorry, I should just yeah. say friends. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah. you were you were friends with Tony before he was big, before he was Tony. Exactly. You guys, yeah. You weren't exactly. one of those fair weather Tony Robbins friends. No, you no. Were, you guys were boys way back. Oh yeah, we were <laughs> we were horses of the same mane for <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, horses of a feather. Yeah, <laughs> flock together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, well, yeah, it's yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it reminds me a bit of like the um, the Beatles song, I Get By With A Little Help From My Friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what that song's all about. It's like, yeah, your friends uh, lift you up when you're feeling down. It, by the way, I also thought it was really cool that that quote, a friend in need is a friend indeed, mm-hmm. is a paraphrase from uh, a quote that was that Cicero quotes. No way. Did you catch that? No. Where was this? Yeah, let me let me find this. He says, um, What Anesius says is quite true. The hour of need shows the friend indeed. Isn't that cool? One more time. So, all right. What Anesius says is quite true. The hour of need shows the friend indeed. Dang. So I thought that was cool because this, yeah, this goes back before Cicero. So that quote uh, is at least 2,000 years old. Dang. Um, Wow. I would just would have guessed Shakespeare when in doubt, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. he's a good default to to guess. Um, Wow. How cool is that? That's also who we get the quote, uh, I I, I wast a poet and I has not known it. Is that also Anesius? Mm-hmm. And now we know it is. It. Yeah. You know. <laughs> now we know it's him. Exactly. But that idea is a really powerful one. I mean, I know it's it's become a cliche, mm. but I mean, it's basically saying like a fair weather friend is not a friend. Uh, mm-hmm. The true friend is the person that's there before you have your celebrity or after you have your celebrity. Or after the sex tape comes out or, you know what I mean? Like, it's the person that's there for you when you're at your lowest. Totally. Um, And Cicero talks about all those tests. Um, I I don't mm. have them to quote, but, you know, he mentions all these times when, like, through through being vilified or being publicly shamed or, like, you know, um, through losing all of your political power or gaining all of this political power, he talks about that, like, French that will test your your friendship and that will test your mm. virtue um and it's so true it's yeah, yeah it's it's a lo- it's lovely and it's a good it arguably a good uh a good practice too of just mm. like you know friendship is work sometimes like people say relationships are work right like yeah it totally is sometimes and sometimes mm. you have to Nobody wants to hear this about themselves, but sometimes I need a friend to hate what I'm saying for like the next two hours. Like, uh, here, mm. you know, like I, I needed that. Thank you. Thank you for being there when I was at my lowest and I just vented or, and I just cried or whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, the other thing I was thinking, um, so one of the reasons uh, I thought this piece would be really cool with the two of us is, you know, we we met, I think, when we were at like 17, mm-hmm. 18, right around that. And, you know, we were roommates in college, like lived together, and then, you know, have been living in different cities for the last 10 years or so, but have still remained close friends and stay connected. And it's very similar to Cicero and Atticus's relationship, mm-hmm. whereas they met as young politicians uh, when they're around the same age and then lived in different cities and ma- and maintained contact through letters. So like at first I was like, oh, we like, it'd be so perfect to do this piece. It would just be too, too perfect. Um, but something I was thinking on those lines is I think one of the advantages of having a friend in a different city who you're not seeing on the day to day is they're able to, they're not like, caught up in all of your drama and can kind of like in times of need. Um, I think about that a lot. Mm. You know, I can call, I can t- call you talk to Bernardo. Like it's not, I I'm not kind of, uh, you know what I mean? Like there's a yeah. certain, there's a certain distance there where mm. it's like, um, they're not existing in this social circle that I'm currently a part of. Right. They're able to kind of have this outside perspective that is, you know, is really nice and really comforting. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think to to add to some of that too is that we it helps us avoid the whole like treating our friends like therapists, mm. um, or in Cic- in Cicero's terms, like getting a use uh, an unvirtuous use out of our friends, like an unequal. Mm. Use that it, it avoids that happening because, like you said, like everyday drama. It's easy to like if we were roommates to just be like, "Oh, you wouldn't believe this," and then like this, and then we can get into a habit of, of feeling good as a in a really selfish way of like, "I'm going to just talk to Zach about these problems," and then before you know it, I'm I'm wearing down the relationship doing that mm. and, and having this distance definitely. Uh, I I I'd, I'd like to think that we wouldn't do that anyway, of course, but yeah. Um, the distance definitely helps filter that stuff out. So when we really do need each other, um, we are able to be friends and we don't have to be, you know, daily or weekly therapists or daily or weekly cheerleaders or, um, mm. any kind of, you know, um, maybe un in, in Cicero's terms, unvirtuous, um, we don't have to be any kind of un- unvirtuous, we don't have to do any unvirtuous acts on on a daily basis, but instead we have, like you said, distance, time, mm. and we can, yeah, we can just evaluate things as they go. And I still really think all those years we had of when we actually did live together, when we talked every day, built mm. this really strong, amazing foundation where, you know, when we don't talk for weeks or months even, mm. um, that that's like we can still kind of I mean the whole cliche of like we just pick up where we left off I mean it's kind of true though um, and yeah. especially when when one of us is in distress or when we got some really great news we can you know we can celebrate each other we can be there for each other and it doesn't feel like it's a strain totally well yeah man I'm uh I'm happy to call you a friend for sure <laughs>
Mm-hmm. And uh, gotcha. this was this was great. This was like super awesome. Yay! Um, how'd I do? So thank- how'd I, how'd awesome. I, <laughs> hey, hey, I, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it later. How'd I, how'd I do? <laughs> we'll talk about it later. <laughs> uh, sounds great, man. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Unpacking Ideas. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend or scroll down and write us a review. I know that takes a little bit of effort, but it really helps with the algorithm so that more people can discover the show. So thanks for doing that in advance. And if you would like to hear more from me or read along with us, please visit unpackingideas.com where I post links and articles to future podcast episodes. All right, guys, that will do it for today. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next episode.